Welcome back. It is 10 o'clock. We are done today at 12. We have two more. We have two more hours together, face to face. My goal is in the next 30 minutes to share this 20-minute presentation with you and have you engage in a back-channel conversation about this as we as we watch it. Somebody's uh, mic's hot. <laughs> and um, what I really and I would love this K-12 online is a I don't know how I describe it. It, it is a project of passion, uh, a collaborative en- effort. It's taught me more than any other conference I've ever participated in. It's completely free. It's done by people around the world who uh, are innovators and who are creative and are, who are willing to share. And it is a gift to, I think, open someone's eyes to because with K-12 Online, it's like if you want, if you want to learn about it, uh, there it is. Uh, you can have professional development in your pocket at any time. Um, one of the things that I have been doing now for a while is downloading podcasts to my f- phone. So I can come here to my iPod and I can go to my podcasts. And you know, one of the podcasts I listen to on a weekly basis is Bit by Bit, which is a webcast that Bob Sprankle, Cheryl Oaks, and Alice Barr do out of Maine. And I've mentioned a few things about Maine uh, in this session. They do an hour-long live webcast on Thursday nights that starts, I want to say, at 6 o'clock Eastern time. So roll the clock back, 4 o'clock. Um, I think, no, it's, maybe it's 7.30. We'll have to look it up. Anyway, uh, a lot of times I don't get to catch it live. It's Thursday night, and uh, I can listen to the, the, the webcast here. Just recently, I've discovered an application called Podcaster. One of the things that's great about this app is it lets me completely manage my podcast without a sync, okay, without connecting to iTunes. And if I would like, for instance, to come into the video channel for K-12 Online and I'd like to take a look, I can stream any of these presentations so they can play directly off the Wi-Fi connection that I have, or I can also download them. So uh, Jason, the J-Man here, um, did a great presentation in 2009 called Probing the Prospects of the Paperless Classroom. And so I can actually um, play that entire you know, presentation untethered because I've downloaded it to my device. So what I've done for our professional development experience this morning is I have downloaded this video. The K-12 conference works like this. There's two weeks in the fall for North Americans, but that's a pejorative to use because we've got lots of folks in the Southern Hemisphere now attending the conference, so we can't really say it's in the fall. We need to say it's in October. Um, It happened in in December in 2009 only, but... um, the conference itself, and you can kind of see from the cluster map, which, by the way, this is a free tool that you can put on your website, get an idea of where the IP addresses are that are pulling up your site. Um, in a two-week period of time, we have four presentations published every day. The week prior to the conference, however, there is a conference uh, 
a pre-conference keynote, and that's what I'm going to share with you. And there are four strands to the conference. So this last year in 2010, we had student voices. So there are 10 student presentations. And that keynote, which was by Colby Ratzliff, now a ninth grade student in Emporia, Kansas, is phenomenal. The stuff that he's done with Google SketchUp uh, and the ways that his uh, teachers, Ginger Lumen and others at Turning Point Learning Center in Emporia have just really unleashed so much creativity with their students in many, many content areas. It's phenomenal. I, I really debated whether to show you that one. Um, there's a keynote in each strand. Leading the change um, is one of our strands, and that's an administrative leadership strand. The last couple years, we have had Spanish-speaking presenters, and we've had translations provided. So Dolores Reg, Reg um, who's in Spain, in España, uh, was our presenter for that strand. And so you can see that in... Uh, um, Spanish with English subtitles. One of the best ones, just to give a shout-out to, is Tim Tyson's presentation called The Classroom Teacher as a 21st Century Instructional Leader. This will knock your socks off. Um, Tim was the principal for seven years at Mabry Middle School in Cobb County, Georgia. If you remember hearing about Cobb County and all the controversy about their one-to-one -one laptop initiative, he was right in the middle of that. In fact, I think he was the one that really had proposed that idea, um, which was... Someday, hopefully, the story of that being derailed will actually get told publicly. Um, but his focus here is we, irrespective of our position, need to step up to leadership in the 21st century. And so it is a fantastic presentation. So those are the strands in the first two weeks. The second two weeks, we had Kicking It Up a Notch. And Darren Kerpatwa, who I mentioned earlier, he was the chair of his math department at Daniel McIntyre uh, High School in Winnipeg, Manitoba. This is an incredible presentation. You know, start with the keynotes. The keynotes will blow you away. And he is saying, what does it mean to take your teaching to the next level? It's about using the latest and greatest tools, or is there something more to it? And the, and the answer is, there's something more to it. It's about, you know, good questions and good learning. Um, the fourth strand is called Week in the Classroom. And Alana King, who is a phenomenal teacher in New Zealand, did our presentation here. We've had keynotes from New Zealand the last two years we had um, the week in the classroom also um, in 2009 so anyway I could go on and on what I want to do now is go ahead and, and um, play Dean's keynote I have downloaded it why did I do that bandwidth right it's in the can it's on my computer how did I do that underneath the presentation there's a link here to the video file and I simply right clicked that or control click that and I said save the link and I saved it to my machine so as we watch this I want to encourage you to uh, tweet if you would like to include the link to this presentation it's linked from our page. You can also just go to K-12 online and put in the word Dean, and you're going to see several things come up. But most recently, with 88 comments, this is uh, sharing the moral imperative. And I would like for you to reflect upon what you're hearing Dean talk about and how that relates to uh, teaching and learning and professional development at your school. So without further ado, here's Dean Shresky. I'm a giant derivative.
Obviously, I can't possibly show you every place and person that I learn from, but I hope you get the sense of the tremendous learning network I participate in. I owe those people so much. Collectively, they've been a huge part of my learning journey for the past several years. Because every one of them embraces a culture of sharing, I benefit. I won't pretend that I'm going to share something new and original. That's really hard. And as I scan the mountains of data that I've created over the past six years of posting regularly online in all types of forms, I'm not sure there's anything there that's completely original and mine. I've been blessed to work as part of a larger community of learners, teachers, explorers, and innovators who, in the spirit of sharing, have thrown their ideas onto a giant whiteboard for others to use, critique, and mash up. In the end, it's difficult to claim much ownership, and I'm okay with that. We all seek recognition for our contributions, but the moment we focus on protecting our work, we are in some ways the antithesis of a teacher. We, as David Wiley says, invoke our inner two-year-old and undermine the entire premise upon which education is built, and that is sharing.
is this an obligation? Does my institution see value in this? And how will it help my students? considered an obligation to share beyond our buildings. I mean, how could we even do that? Maybe, maybe you got invited to present at a staff meeting or a conference, or maybe an old college friend asked you to use some resource you created, but these were rare. It was often the case that the teacher next door had no idea what you did in your classroom, let alone someone from another school. Sharing was hard. Sharing was a luxury. Sharing was only for the students in your room. My experience is that most teachers love to share. Again, if sharing is education, that makes sense that educators love to share. And while there are exceptions, generally teachers are wonderful sharers. The sharing part's not the hard sell. It's the who and the where and the how do I share that not enough have understood. Remember the days when resources were scarce. I've been teaching now for over 20 years and I had a single shelf of material when I began. Outside of a few textbooks for certain subjects, I had to scrounge to find resources for the eight or so curriculum that I was responsible for. I spent hours trying to develop learning activities to meet outcomes, and had little energy left to spend on reflection and whether or not it was even effective. Today our problems are more about vetting and filtering information and ideas to find the stuff that's most relevant and useful for our students. Who better to vet and filter information about education than educators? What if we could share with the very best educators in the world? Today you can. Dan Meyer is a mathematics teacher from California. He's been teaching less than 10 years, but about four years ago he decided a blog might be an interesting thing to begin. Here's what he said. Blogging was the cheapest, most risk-free investment I could have made of my personal time into my job. You start by writing things down that are interesting to you, practices you don't want to forget. And then you start trying new things just so you can blog about them and later picking them apart and dialoguing over them with strangers. Periods of stagnancy in your blogging start to correspond to periods of stagnancy in your teaching. You start to muse on your job when you're in traffic, in line for groceries, that sort of thing. That transformation has been nothing but good for me and it all began on a free Blogspot blog. Dan's done a lot more than simply muse about his job. He's created some outstanding math resources that he shared for free. These resources could easily be packaged and published by large companies and sold to educators for significant dollars. One such resource was a video series called Graphing Stories. Raises in my third year of teaching, and I was really unhappy with the, a particular transition between math topics, um, the transition to um, graphing from single variables. And I, I got this idea, and I spent, I, I recall, about 18 hours on a weekend. So total of 48 hours, 18 of those were spent either filming this, the, the, the raw materials for this, this lesson or editing them on my computer or putting them into a format that I could use in classroom. It was just a, a long lesson. And I mentioned it on my blog that I had done this, and a lot of people said, look, this is a recipe for burnout to spend that much time on one lesson. 
instinctively I thought to myself, well, look, I can reuse this every year hereafter if it's good. Um, and it, it, it was very effective for my goals. And, and then to give credit to their, their concerns, uh, I put it online the day after in a format that could be downloaded by anybody anywhere. Uh, I put it, uh, a DVD disc image so you could download this image and create a physical DVD that I used in class that had the, the, the generic handouts on it, some instructions for using it. Uh, yeah, I just put it up there, just like that. I figured that the more people used it, the more, uh, the less cost those 18 hours were to me. So I was really interested in, in a lot of people getting whatever use out of it they could. So if someone, I offered people, uh, I would mail them the DVD, uh, the first 30 people who posted about it on their blog. So that got some traffic coming my way. And uh, eventually, at the end of two weeks, uh, I checked my stats and 6,000 people had downloaded the disk image uh, in those two weeks. So in an instant, my 18-hour time cost felt like nothing to me. It was much more worthwhile. I asked Dan if he had anyone who would speak to using his resources in his classroom. I found an educator in Scotland, his name is Chris Smith. Here's what he had to say about using Dan's stories. I write a weekly mass newsletter uh, primarily for the staff of uh, my department uh, just to, to share ideas that we've got for lessons um, to tell them a wee bit about useful websites that they might want to look at. Uh, to, to enhance the learning in their, in their classrooms. Um, and on, in my quest to fill this newsletter every week, I have to find uh, constantly new material. And I came across Dan's uh, blog and just loads of, loads of really fresh, innovative ideas and all freely available. So I, I was over the moon because I, I was able to. To, to share that in, in my newsletter and then try out some of the lessons for myself in the classes. And rather than look at something which should be uh, living, should be animated, should be active, uh, instead of doing that through the textbooks which were dull and the examples were pretty uh, contrived, this was an opportunity for them to, to play around with some maths with real life uh, scenarios uh, which instantly grabbed their attention and actually I believe made a lot more sense to them and something that I would have spent uh, four periods on, four hours of, of, uh, of work um, I'm, I think that students have a better understanding uh, within uh, just over one hour um, using the, this, this wee idea for a lesson that Dan had created and shared. Every single day, you are the beneficiary of sharing. Whether it's a published textbook, a district-created resource, a book you read, or as often as the case today, something you found online. Does your district have any idea how much you save them by using these freely available resources and ideas? Your students' lives and education are so much richer by having access to people like Dan and countless others because they've embraced a culture of sharing. Are we willing to share even a little bit of what we have and know? Now, we're not all having to share in the same fashion of a Dan Meyer. And as he said, the benefits of one lucid comment or idea can be golden to someone. Your experience, your insights are worth sharing. It costs you nothing but your time, and the return on investment can be exponential. 
Recently, George Kouros, a principal at an elementary school in Alberta, shared a project he had done at his school called the Identity Fair. And unlike Dan, who spent countless hours developing a very polished resource, George simply, as part of his day in excitement over what was happening in his school, shared bits of a very simple idea that had some pretty significant outcomes. One of the things that was happening in the school is I just kind of got this idea that as we have this event called Identity, the Identity Fair, Identity Day, whatever you want to call it, where the kids brought this, uh, they brought a display, kind of like a science fair concept, but it was about themselves and about what they're passionate about. So I just went around to my Blackberry and I took pictures of the topics and so I put the tag Identity Fair so I could actually go back and look at the information later. So I just made it easier for myself. And then if people wanted to look, then I had this resource that I was creating for them. Because we had a girl that um, has Tourette's syndrome, and that was her identity fair display, which she had. She talked about Tourette's syndrome so that she could explain it so everyone would understand part of who she was. And it was like, it's like even talking about it, anytime I talked about it, I get teary-eyed immediately because it was such a moving thing. It was something she was so passionate about. But then I wrote about her first and a lot of people were writing her comments because I shared that with her and her mom. And so she actually wrote that on my blog. So she used that as a form. And then that was, my blog post was used um, by the National like the Canadian Tourette Syndrome Society or something like that. So they use that as, as something that they featured on their Facebook page. And so they have maybe this connection with this national society. And then I wrote about the process of the day and kind of what we did. And so we got a lot of comments about it. So they actually set that up in Texas. So we're in Stony Plain, Alberta, which is like a small town just outside of Edmonton. And she's somewhere in Texas with her school and she decided that that was going to be what their school did as their opening activity. Uh, before we walked into school, she had sent me an email, or she actually sent me a message that said, we just did this, thank you, it was amazing. So I took that email and I, I posted a blog about it and wrote about it, how it is, in my opinion too, is that we, we do share these good practices because I've been at six schools and for five or six schools and no matter what I always love the kids and I'll find that if I go to 10 more schools I always love the kids and if we're real advocates for education we want to make sure we're sharing our best practices with other people and open to that modifying and so when she did that she did she put her own little spin it wasn't exactly like our day but we, it was amazing that we was inspired by us and then I showed her staff like this is something that we did that everyone got to see and it wasn't my idea, that was, it, it wasn't about sharing something amazing that I had done, it was sharing something amazing that was inspired, that my staff had done, and our kids all took part in. It was just, I was just the messenger of information. So she shared that, and then, so I shared it the first day with my staff, and then the first day with kids, we had an assembly, and I talked to them about how they inspired uh, another school in Texas, and they were just amazing, like, this was something that we wouldn't even imagine. And honestly, I wouldn't have imagined a year ago, but now it's like we're seeing these opportunities more and more in our kids. And now we're having a chance to connect where at the point we are planning to uh, do a Skype conversation during an assembly with that other school so that we can informally have our kids meet each other, you know, and kind of like say like, 
that we connected in that way. And today the buzzwords of professional learning communities or PLCs is a concept that many schools embrace, but few experience its true potential. Time, money, and geography are the limitations. In the vast majority of these models, those three constraints are significant barriers to sharing and learning together. of the work of others. The difference today is that these face, these aren't faceless resources, but real people you can talk to, get real-time feedback with, and build relationships with. It's like having the author of your textbook sitting in the back of your classroom ready to answer, debate, and clarify your questions and ideas. That in itself changes education. sharing in new ways. Being from a relatively small school district, we simply don't have the capacity and expertise in all, in all areas, but recognize that neighboring districts often have resources and expertise that would be useful for our work and our students. Recently, we've been exploring ways to share these resources and people, and since we're all using a common curriculum, it seems to make sense. But why does it have to stop with the borders of your state or province or even your country? Some of the most interesting and meaningful learning experiences I've had center around learning from educators from other countries. Learning from people you have much in common with and those with diverse backgrounds and perspectives is absolutely critical in providing a rich educational experience. Here's an example of someone from another country, and in fact someone not even of school age, sharing work and transforming learning for both students in the in the K-12 as well as pre-service teachers. Started my daughter's blog the day she was born, and so I've been kind of monitoring or documenting. I started off as a way for us to share photographs with family back home, right? Uh, as a way for her grandparents to kind of keep up without having to email pictures and it was just a place where we can stay connected. And as she's getting older, I'm starting to realize that she can play a big part in documenting the things that she wants to do. I read this book called uh, Last Child in the Woods and I was living in Doha at the time where there was very little outdoorsy things for us to do. And so I read this book, I was really inspired and so I took her out because she's starting to become a really adept photographer. Um, you know, she can hold a camera, she can frame it, she can take some pretty nice shots. And when we got back home, I figured um, I could just put them together in iMovie and have her sort of narrate um, the, the interaction we had. It's a very simple photo story where I would just told her, okay, you tell me what this picture is and, you know, why you took it. And it started off, you know, she's only four, so it started off pretty slow, but it turned into this really nice little storytelling, you know, digital storytelling photo story. So I posted it on her blog, um, sent a quick Twitter out, um, and then it kind of went from there. And from the way I pieced it together is that I think William showed it to his class, um, and then they were really interested in it, and so they sent a whole bunch of comments. I think the first day we got like 30 comments. Uh, and got the job, and you're such a good photographer, and I started reading these comments to my daughter, Kaya. And I'm not sure she really understood what was happening, but she just seemed pretty excited that the people were looking at her pictures. So I sent a quick email to William, and I said, hey, you know what, these comments are fantastic, 
but I'm not sure if she could really, is really understanding what's going on. Could you guys do some kind of video conference? Um, and within, I think, a day or 24 hours, it was really quick. They did a really fast um, video conference. And so when I showed that guy, all of a sudden it was much more dynamic. Her eyes kind of opened up and she really kind of understood that there are some people, you know, out there that are seeing her work. Um, and then from there, I think what happened was that John Strange, who's a professor in Alabama, made this story one of his projects. So, you know, an assignment for his class. So then suddenly we started getting, you know, I think it's upward of 100 comments at this point. Uh, people in his class read it and just continually, you know, commenting on things like, great job, you're such a young photographer. And, you know, I just kept reading to him. And then one lady in his class actually had her daughter <laughs> create a video to Kaya where she reads Robert Brownberg. And when we sat and watched that, again, Kaya was just really interested in why the young girl was reading a story and talking to her. And immediately we kind of talked about the idea of, okay, we'll read a, we'll read a story back to her. And we went and got another one, I think, Mama Bear. We'll the other Brown Bear series books. And Kaya read the whole thing and I posted it back. So the tiny little act of just, you know, sending a tweet out, hey, look what my daughter's done because it's, fun and we thought it was interesting, affected all these different people's lives. Not only was William class, but it was also, you know, a daughter of someone in a class in Alabama. There are literally thousands of stories like this, and one of my Yodas, as Wes Fryer likes to call them, Alan Levine, did an entire presentation on amazing stories of openness, in which you'll find even more of these types of stories. You may even have some of your own. And I encourage you to share those stories with others and continue to retell them until it resonates with everyone around you. I recently read a quote that said, universities come to know about things through studies, organizations come to know about things through reports, and people come to know about things through stories. data on sharing, and I'm not sure that would matter anyways. My point is that sharing has always been part of your job. You are now privy to a mechanism and a structure that enables you to do this better and more broadly. If learning shouldn't be confined to the four walls of your classroom, should teaching? Why would we hoard good teaching and learning? There's something very unethical about that. I believe that good ideas and great work should be shared with as many people as possible. This K-12 online conference has been built around this idea. It's a model of sharing. It consists of great teachers giving time and energy to share, not for money, but because they love to share. And they love students. You do good work, too. So do the people around you. Now, I hear lots of talk about reform, and I truly believe that we would see a significant shift to better schools and a better education for our students if more teachers and their institutions understood and participated more fully in a sharing culture. I realize that's not the total solution, but I think it's much more important than we think. Given the technology and our ability to connect, I'm saying sharing, and sharing online is no longer an option. So many of you watching this are doing your part to share. I'm asking you to think deeply about your new obligation to share, and whether you're, whether you're a classroom teacher, an administrator, or other, 
You need to be sharing online and sharing regularly. You need to be helping others to do likewise. Not as a cool thing you can do, but because you owe it to others to teach students beyond your classroom and your district. It's an ethical responsibility. take a lot more time than we will today to reflect on this, but in the interest of giving you the time to work on your project, I'm going to give you three minutes. I want you to, <laughs> yeah, I know, that's sad, isn't it? Um, I want you to visit with folks at your table, and I want everyone to post at least one tweet with our MT Vision hashtag about what you think of Dean's challenge. What do you think about this idea of sharing as a, a moral obligation and specifically sharing online? Okay. You have three minutes. Go. And then we'll, we'll ask, we'll do some quick shares from our site. So at our remote sites, decide who's going to talk from your site. And we'll go to you too, Karen, so you be ready. Yeah. Obviously, we don't have the power to do it. 
Right. So if you see your some sometimes it seems to miss some, and I don't know if that's just because of the system. I mean, we can also search through uh, Twitter itself, and you go to search.twitter.com. That's how I went through them last night. You know, which might be a more comprehensive. So I'm not sure. I mean, Twitter doesn't own. Yeah, no. As long as you're doing the, the hashtag, the pound MT Vision, it, it should be in there. So this is one. Okay, let's let's take a few minutes and then we're gonna move to work time, but I wanna bless you. Sorry I'm having to have your back my back to you all today. I just don't mean to <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll begin with your table then. Would you all like to do, share something? Is that okay? We'll ask for volunteers here in Missoula, and then we'll go to our remote sites. Uh, share with us something you talked about or somebody at your table discussed in response to Dean's thoughts. And feel free to continue responding and putting things into our back channel as we have a couple shares. What table has not shared so far? Is there a table that needs to share? Would you all like to share? <laughs> we'll go to the front. Um, we posted that sharing resources and information via online modes modeling can finish it. Okay, the idea that that sharing resources is modeling good citizenship. Can you elaborate on that some more? Well, it's like anything. When you model manners, your students are going to start to adopt those manners, hopefully. Okay. Or ways to educate yourself. I you know when I taught younger grades, I did Google a lot with them, and they got to where they'd be like, let's Google it. Modeling behavior. behavior. And as we, as we see behaviors modeled, then we might tend to take on those behaviors, right? Yeah. You know, fundamentally how we learn stuff forever, apprenticeship, you know, we hang out with somebody and they do stuff and we learn from them, that works. Okay? Let's go out to Kalispell. A thought or comment on what Dean had to share with us. Yep, we can hear you. <laughs> no sharing in Kalispell? I did my best. Uh, well, I could talk. I was just thinking about some of the dynamic teachers I went to college with. And I, uh, during the video, Googled one of them. <laughs> and he has a blog spot. So I thought, what a great way to get more ideas than I know the person. Yep. Right, because when we hang out with people, we're influenced by them. Uh, that one of those pick books that flashed up uh, real quick on the intro of that video was the book of uh, Learning and Forgetting. Anybody read that? We can Google that. The book of Learning and Forgetting, I forget who it's by. Ah, isn't that funny? Uh, but I don't forget this, that you know we learn from the company we keep. You never have parents at a school when their child's starting to hang out with a group that might be, you know, doing drugs or into something inappropriate, you know, say, you know, my kid's kind of slow. I'm not worried about that. I really don't think they're going to learn anything from that group. We know that everyone will learn from the company they keep. So the chance to electronically connect to others means we get to hang out with their brains, depending on what they share. And that's a way to think about Twitter. So, um... We'll go to Helena, then we'll go to St. Louis, and then we'll go to Poplar. Anybody in Helena want to share a thought in response? 
Uh, all right. Well, we uh, talked a little bit about um, the idea of using sharing for learning, and but also being careful about not exploiting. Um, and one of the things that came up was I don't know if you guys have seen the video that the dad took of his son right after the dentist. Yes. And yeah, so it's, it was really funny. But at the same time, we also thought, did it cross the line? And um, so really, that's where we kind of went. How we have to be careful as educators to make sure that uh, our purpose and the, the learning that's occurring behind whatever we're doing is solid and kind of vetted so that we know what we're sharing is of high quality and uh, is not exploiting uh, our students. Absolutely. I mentioned that post uh, from last week I wrote, Is It Right to Make Your Children Famous? This is now a website, davidafterdentist.com. And according to San Francisco Gate, in June 29th, he's raked in $150,000 because of the YouTube ads off of that viral video. And, you know, his kid was on anesthetic, and he recorded him with his phone camera and then posted it to the web. How's David going to feel when he's in high school? Do you think he's going to be able to escape this? So, yeah, lots of issues like that. Uh, Karen, in St. Louis, thoughts? See, when you're by yourself, well, you're I really put on the spot. You can't point to someone else. I know. <laughs> and my cat's not even around. I've been scared around today. Um, but I've seen Dean before, obviously. You know, I've, I've seen this video. It's, it's wonderful. And he is just, if you're not following him on Twitter, definitely follow him on Twitter. Um, but I think that... You know, I, I tweeted while we were doing this. When I was a teacher, I remember hearing somebody say that teaching was the, the most public profession done behind closed doors because when I taught, you went into your classroom and you shut the door. And then you opened it when you let your students out and then more students came in and you shut the door. And that was just the way we did it. And if, the, if someone came by to observe your classroom, they walked in and sat in the back of the classroom and the door was shut and no one really knew what was going on except that observer that day. And today we've changed so much of that and, um, you know, we, we're able to continue the teaching outside of that classroom um, and mobile computing has changed so many things. And if you just create these things for yourself, um, you never really get the benefit of having others see those things and give you feedback and, and, and really, you know, a lot of it is just about not being famous necessarily, I guess, but but getting some other eyes to look at your work and say, good work, good job, wow, this is inspiring, this is great. And teachers have a hard time, I think, sometimes doing that. And as you said, you know, having teachers do these things, model these things is something we talk about all the time. You know, I'm I'm going to do a two-hour presentation soon, and we're trying to figure out how in two hours can we provide the maximum benefit for people to be able to create and share and and see what each other has come up with. Okay. Oh, you're taking pictures of me. I better not look like I did your blog post last night. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to pick that carefully. All right. I'll get a better one. I'll delete that one. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, but, and, yeah, but anyway. So being alone, I don't get to brainstorm very well, but I, I love the way Dean put this together. I, I remember when he did this and how many people tweeted and said, how did you do this? 
you know, how did you create this? And then he, you know, did a follow-up to let people know. And, and I'll tell you, the K-12 online conference, one of the best keynotes I ever saw, and I've seen him speak in person, but his K-12 online keynote, David Warlick's first year, that keynote he did where he took his devices and, and recorded from all over the place in his car, at different locations, was just amazing. And Rachel Ward from New Zealand, I think that's her name, um, is one of my... Yeah, Rachel Boyd. Rachel, Rachel Boyd. Rachel Boyd. She is one of my favorites. She, if you have teachers who are saying, oh, but I don't have time to do this and I don't have the resources in my classroom, watch that video and see what this woman is doing with first and second graders and three computers and a, and a smart board mounted in her classroom and the things that they are doing is just phenomenal on a daily basis. Yep, that was a keynote last year called A Peak for a Week Inside a Kiwi Junior Classroom. So, Poplar? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Poplar, we're not going to let you off the hook. What, 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 are you, what were you all visiting about during our discussion time? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. We were just chatting about how when you share ideas, it opens up the possibilities because you get the feedback, which also brings in a little risk if you're uh, a little egocentric and you want to want to be careful and have people not give you bad feedback. But once you get over that, it's it's a big way to get out of your own little bubble in your own little world and learn what other people are thinking. Along with that, when other people share, we don't have to take the time to reinvent the wheel over and over and over. The things that can be done easily, we learn them quick and we don't have to figure them all out ourselves. Absolutely. That's about it. Well, this keynote, I think, took Dean about 50 or 60 hours to make. He actually posted uh, the making of a keynote on his blog, and then we asked him to cross-post that over on the actual K-12 online conference uh, blog. So he went some more background and backstory of how that happened. Um, lots of different messages and themes here, lots of, of things I'd like to walk, you to walk away with. If there were two top things I hope you walk away with from our day and a half together, it's number one, getting connected to more people who are sharing ideas, and number two, thinking about transforming professional development, not only doing what many of you are already doing with coaching and with early release time and having your teachers teach each other and building that professional learning community locally, but utilizing the K-12 online conference. Um, this is actually a place we're looking for volunteers. The conference will happen again in October and we'll have four strands, but it remains to be seen what those strands will be, and I would really love to see our professional development piece of this. What we really need to do is probably write a grant for the MacArthur Foundation to do some funding to like help us get more professional with the way the site is set up and uh, and then to let teachers, you know, we need to empower folks to be able to get some professional development credit, and our professional development committees have worked on that. But um, my challenge to you, okay, is use one of these presentations at your school for some professional development. There's over 140 to choose from. Just, you know, pick one because what you can introduce people to is this amazing world of not content but people. Cheryl Dustman Beach said in Amarillo last Monday, the world we live in today allows us to not just subscribe to magazines, but to subscribe to people. You can subscribe to Dean, to um, Rachel Boyd, to so many others. So, 
we need to go to work time. And um, I also want to leave us some time for sharing. So what uh, we're going to do is we're going to have, I'm going to do 50 minutes instead of 60. So you're going to have 50 minutes. And what I would like for you to do, if you have not already, and, and even if you did yesterday, I would like you to create something else with media that you've not created before. So we had some folks, and this was okay, uh, grab some uh, pictures off of their uh, you know, computers, and we had some some. I don't think we had bears photographed yesterday during, you know, the actual workshop. Um, I could be wrong. Uh, you know, you can check check out some of these and leave some comments if you would like for some of the photo stories, uh, five photo stories that have been published. But if you have access today to some video, I would really encourage you to consider responding in some way to what we've been talking about in our workshop and thinking about either taking that leadership challenge that we talked that we discussed yesterday or maybe it's simply the actionable for you what is actionable now what have you heard that you think you could immediately put into practice and why if you had an aha moment like some folks have had share that aha moment again you do not have to publish this and you do not have to be recorded on the video. And we've got folks doing different things. We've interviews with the pre-service teachers yesterday, some interviews with professors. You know, there's a lot of choice here. But we want you to create something, and we would love for you to share that. And so I will uh, keep the login credentials there for our Pixel Pipe. Um, we had a few folks that reported some errors. You can upload this to YouTube yourself. Um, but uh, if you do, make sure you definitely tweet the link so that we'll be able to see it um, and we'll be able to find it. And um, if you need help, you can tweet as well. Or if you're here in the room, just talk to us and we'll you know, come and try and assist you. Does anyone have a question you'd like to ask about our work time before you're turned loose for the next 50 minutes? Anybody at the remote sites want to? It's actually harder with video conferencing to have wait time because you need even more. You, you can work with a different partner. Poplar, that will be challenging. But <laughs> did you want to ask a question, Poplar? No? Okay. Okay, well, go to it. You've got 50 minutes. Um, think about a good question. Ask some people to respond to it and share the result.